This is Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 12, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. How's it going, Jared? <laughs> things are great, man. How are you doing? <laughs> things are things are well as well. But I heard I heard oh, things thi- <laughs> I've heard things are not as good for you. What's what's going on here? What's all this about? I going to the hospital and such. <laughs> well, you know, we try to keep things lively up here in Ohio in the Mayo household and uh, a couple buddies and I we always get together every Monday night and play racquetball, but you know, we're manly men, so, you know, we don't need cups and we don't need goggles. And uh <laughs> we've been playing for, like, four months. No cups, no goggles. Two weeks ago, David got hit in a in a rather delicate place and decided, you know, might might need to wear some cups. <laughs> cups were instituted. And uh then what I decided to do was get smacked in the, in the face with the ball, you know, 80 miles an hour or whatever, uh, right in the eye. Not not the nose or the forehead or anything that, you know, would just leave a bruise and heal, but smack in the eye and uh blind for a couple hours and made it to the to the ER and uh it just uh it was a whole big ordeal, man. Crazy. <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't be laughing. I feel so bad for you. I feel so bad. I'm looking at the pictures right now. Oh, dude. Not Never cool. So. It never hurt, so that that was cool. It was just uh, the whole being blind was a little scary for about four hours. Uh, <laughs> I woke up and I had a little bit of sight, so it, it slowly came back the next couple of days. Uh, things are still blurry now, though, and uh, I got four days off work, so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man! All right, for our listeners out there, we gotta we gotta make this accessible to them. If that's okay with you, these pictures are great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we can put your uh, your tattooed hands up, we can put some some bashed eyes up. Well, one's an injury, but both are a choice, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, they were both choices. Oh, I feel bad for you. How's it looking now? You doing better? Yeah, I just have a little bit of bruising on the side right now, and uh, the thing is, what what's the black part of your eye? Is that the pupil? Yeah, the pupil. Dude, they gave me this this stuff to dilate it, and so it's huge, and it's been huge since since it happened, and. He said it's still not going to go down for another week, so I'm kind of walking around like an ogre with this huge, one eye is huge and one eye is little. Man, oh man. But, but it's all good. Where were you playing? Was It It wasn't at Cedarville, huh? Yeah, yeah, we get together at Cedarville University and play. Oh, okay. Are one of these, uh, those pictures taken from Cedarville? Because I, I, I rec- yeah. this is going to sound stupid, but I recognize the pillar in the back, <laughs> in the background of one of them. Josh said he had to get a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So who do you play with? Uh, well, I play with, uh, well, I play with David, Josh, and Tom. And each of them, like, David is the one that hit me. So he's, like, all freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? I'm so sorry. Josh is, like, excited. Like, he wants to get a picture. And Tom runs to get ice. And then he's like, oh, dude, it just looks so awful. <laughs> he was just not reassuring at all. Like, your eyes messed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, what are you, what are you gonna do? 
Yeah, well, exactly. Well, well, but there's no, but there's no real damage, no like detached retina or anything, right? No, I just have you know the whole increase. You know, it, it may happen. I might. The odds are more likely for me to have a detached retina than you, and uh, more likely to get a cataract and develop glaucoma in the future. Holy cow! Just because? Well, I don't understand. What what does one thing got to do with another? I mean, obviously it's all the eye area, but what does that have to getting hit in the eye? What does that have to do with glaucoma? Because uh, it was just a significant trauma to the eye. That's what the doctor said. So. And I've, I saw three different doctors, and they all said the same thing, so. Three different doctors? Like, by choice? Well, you have the, well, actually four, because I had the ER doctor, and then the ER doctor had to call in the specialist that night, so then she came in. And then I went, I had a doctor's appointment the next day with a different doctor, and then I had a doctor's appointment yesterday with another doctor. And they're all eye doctors, but they just, uh, they all work at the same place, so they just rotated in and out, I guess. <laughs> what does Jennifer say about the whole thing? Oh, uh, she was, I mean, she was real positive, you know, we just, uh, we weren't going to let any, you know, negative thoughts get in and influence, you know, our thoughts. So, uh, so she was, she was cool with it. She was, she thought it was stupid, but <laughs> she was very supportive the whole time. <laughs> she walked me around when I, at the hospital when I couldn't see and to my doctor's appointment and drove me around. So she was, she was great. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad you have a very supportive wife. <laughs> well, and she has her wisdom teeth out now, so I'm returning the favor. Ooh, is she getting them out right now? Uh, she had them out this morning. Oh, so she's on bed rest, huh? Yeah, she had all four of them out, so she's just kind of chilling on the couch, drinking meal replacement shakes, jello. Uh, well, if you got to go and tend to her, you let me know, and we'll then that that'll be fine, unless she's drugged up and passed out. Getting in an argument about something, and I feel like I'm starting to lose. I might just leave. <laughs> I need to go take care of Jennifer. Fair enough. Oh, Jennifer's motioning to me. I got it. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think this episode will be that all that controversial. I'm really looking forward to it. We've been putting off talking about Siege until we got halfway through. Uh, well, let's get about our contact information. This is a uh, Marvel Six One Six Politics. Like we said, you can email us. Uh, at marvel616politics at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter at 616politics. And this, I cannot emphasize how critical this is. Every time we make an update to Facebook, it automatically pops up on Twitter. So to get you, the audience, and their listeners involved in what we're talking about and kind of involved in the community, all right, somebody posted something up there. When Jared posts something up there, uh, my Twitter goes crazy, and I know that... uh something news up there and the same thing with him so jump aboard right now we only have three followers i would like to see that increase to at least five <laughs> so but that's really the uh kind of the the trigger to help you guys out that's uh everything that's up on there is is from facebook anyway we rarely ever put anything up on there that's not on facebook so um, that's kind of your outlet uh jared wants to take care of our other two as Andy mentioned, is uh, is growing and growing and growing. At last check, uh, we had 215 fans. Now, we had 217 yesterday. So I'm not sure what happened to those other two people. I saw that. I saw that. I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to focus on the negative. But, yeah, I was wondering also. It's all good. Well, I mean, we got to give props to Andy, too, because Andy had the genius idea to come up with a Facebook ad. 
that would pop up on uh, different people's profiles based on their interests. And so Andy created an ad and, and put up the Marvel 616 Politics ad, and our numbers have continuously grown since that ad has been put out. Uh, I mean, we were struggling just to get 20 to 30 people, and now we've got 215. So, so it's awesome. And we got a lot of people interacting with us on uh, on Facebook, lots of good conversations, especially about the whole Secret Avengers thing. So uh, definitely check us out on Facebook. And uh, then I guess our last thing is our phone number, which you can call and leave us messages. Uh, you can ask questions, whatever you like, at uh, 616-755-TINA. That's right. And, of course, you can uh, our, where our podcast is hosted is uh, marvel616politics.com. But, um, yeah, let's talk about Facebook for a second. Let's do that. You know, everybody who is on our Facebook community, everybody who's a fan, I kind of call them the body politic because we're 616 politics. So what will be happening there, you know, we'll post up news. We'll post up the newest uh, reviews of stuff. I've been trying to get them out, the, uh, the weekly lists that Diamond Distributors, the comic book distributors, put out of what's coming out in Marvel. Try to shift, uh, sift through it, give you guys a good understanding or idea of what we're reading and what we what we're talking about and what the upcoming episodes are going to be about let me uh rattle off some stuff here we've been putting up these new these secret avengers pictures right yeah and these things are fantastic i didn't even i didn't realize there was going to be a, a separate secret avengers book that written by brubaker and drawn by diodato huh yeah i, I was i was with you i kind of thought that they were going to do the whole avengers like spider-man and just put it out three times a month or something, but looks like we got more than just one Avengers title coming out. Yeah, and I'll just highlight a couple of these people. Uh, Mike says that, you know, a couple of these silhouettes might be Cable or Colossus. Kevin's thinking uh, about the same thing. We have a lot of people who, you know, have a lot of good ideas. Tyga, this this is a great name, and I won't say the last name, but Tyga Saber says that yeah it's it's not necessarily impossible that the punisher would might might be on this team so it's possible remember mike zek drawn captain america annual uh captain america said to wolverine that he hopes that the x-men never get tired of him because the avengers would never have him and then look what happened since then and then we also got um a lot of people commenting on the one the silhouette that looks like it's flying have you you saw this one right mm-hmm. yep got them all posted there yep. And of course, you said it's Storm. Well done, Jared. <laughs> and then uh, we got a, pe- a couple of people saying Iron Man, Penance. Jonathan said Iron Man. And um, let's see what else. Uh, Nick out there, Nicholas says Havoc or Nova, which I could see. So I could see Nova like that. Usually they don't show his legs, but I can see that. We got a lot of comments, so go on there. Give uh, Johnny. Oh, this is great. Okay, Johnny. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say your last name, Johnny Vance. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people. This is this is the most controversial run here. The one with the silhouette of the girl. Either she's sitting on some sort of giant insect, or it's a man with long hair, or she has a flowing weirdo-looking cape. I don't know. I, Valkyrie. I didn't even think of that. I, I'm start. You know, there's not too many mutants on the Avengers teams to begin with. We got Wolverine, we got Pietro, and Wanda, and that's about it, right? I mean, what other mutants do we have? Uh, Namor? He was on the Avengers one time. One time? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but we got a lot of people saying Wanda. How could we forget Beast? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. 
He's been on every team, man. I'm thinking that's a female. Either with arms crossed or uh, out of proportion. Yeah, I mean, there were some people on another forum that were saying that maybe it's uh, a thinner mutant with arms crossed and that it's not possibly a female. Oh, because of the white in the middle there? Yeah. It's possible. If that's true, it might be the century. I don't know. But these captions are fantastic. These these really are good. Have you, I mean, if you have not I seen who these... they are, though. I'm tired of guessing. I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the whole point. Somebody came to me and they were like, is this just marketing? I was like, maybe, but it's great. I focus on the solution, not the problem. I strive for redemption. I am in control of my life. I excel through adversity. I mean, I think these are wonderful. I mean, the thing is, it's like everybody on this team seems like they have a specific problem. I have no fear of failure. I do not dream about the future. I create it. That's Iron Man's one. I make my own destiny. That's cool. That's uh, Spider-Woman. Very fitting. I forge my own legacy. That's the new Captain America. I act upon my convictions regardless of personal consequences. I think that's War Machine. Because he's standing there in obviously some sort of armor or something. That's what I was kind of thinking. A lot of the stuff that's been happening with him lately. Yeah. And it fit in with him. Did you see the uh, Agents of Atlas is canceled, but they're coming out with just Atlas? Hooray! <laughs> I have to say that as much as I am not thrilled about that, I am happy that the uh, Dobson's doing the artwork on the, at least the covers for these. Just give it up. <laughs> He's, they're great! Next, they're going to have, like, McFarlane on it. Oh. Like, uh, they to do to get Atlas to sell. Yeah, no, I can't do McFarlane. I'm sorry. Atlas, written by Sarah Palin and drawn by Jim Lee. <laughs> what they can do, they're going to do. <laughs> Someone at Marvel just loves these people. I don't know. I just don't get it. Well, you know how a few episodes back, I was like, well, if I see Jeff Loeb, I'll probably tell him, oh, I love your stuff. You're fantastic. You know, just because I'm that much of a fanboy. Well, I had to, I've been talking to Jeff Parker on Twitter, who writes Agents of Atlas. I've been talking to um, Jeff Sutter, who is the senior art director. And uh, I talked one time with Nate Cosby, who's the editor of Agents of Atlas. And, you know, I did not. I have to say, like, I don't like to be rude, first and foremost. But I did not in any way tell Jeff Parker that I was not a fan of his work. So, <laughs> sue me. <laughs> I did, I, I, he seems like a nice guy. So, some of the other people, some of the other people who write for Marvel seem like jerks. But uh, he seems like a genuinely nice individual. I was working on Jeff Sutter. Yes, no, today. I was like, hey, Jeff, can you help me out? I thought there was a Captain America podcast for, uh, you know, the Marvel podcast. And I was like, I-, I can't find it in my stash. And he got back to me a little bit later. He's like, I might be going crazy, but I thought there was one too. And a little bit later, he was like, oh, I did one, but I never, you know, released it. And I was like, hey, can you throw it up? Can you throw it up for me, you know? And he was like, oh, I can't do that by the end of the day because uh, it wasn't in, I-, I didn't edit it. It wasn't in post-production or whatever. And uh, I said, well, I don't expect you to do that for me. Put aside your senior art director work so that I can do my podcast. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I mean. How do you have all these contacts, Andy? Why don't you tell us about that? Well, it's just through Twitter. Seriously. Like, okay. 
Yeah, I, these people follow me. Well, I follow them because I found out that they're Marvel, Marvel editors and writers and artists and stuff. And then it's a really a good way to get in touch with these people because, I mean, emails, they're not going to answer. But this is like 140 characters. Hey, what's going on? And you follow Marvel. You follow Agent M is a good one. Sutterman is Jeff Sutters. And then Jeff Parker. And uh, Brubaker and Bendis. Bendis never responds, probably because so many people are, are, are responding to him. I had one long, super long, day-long conversation with the artist on um, 30 Days a Night. Did you ever read that? No. Uh-uh. Okay, the artist, uh, oh man, his name escapes me. Let me see here. This is terrible. Let me look it up real quick. Well, so while you're looking that up, are some of these people following Marvel 616? No, they are not. They're following me because I didn't, because I kind of have a rapport with them because I've been on the same Twitter account as for a long time. And so I didn't contact them through the Marvel 616 one. Or I mean, yeah, the the 616 politics because I don't know if they would answer. Oh, here it is. Ben Templesmith. I had a, like, probably a 24 hour long conversation with Ben Templesmith just back and forth. And eventually, I wasn't pestering him. He kept asking questions, and it was kind of like about religion. I'll just say that. And, uh, you know, I don't get defensive. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. If people want to know what I believe, I ask them. And, like, people who, who listen to our podcast regularly know that both Jared and I are Christians, and we believe, you know, in Jesus. But we're not forceful about it, and we don't, we're not condemning of other people. We're, con- you know, we, we don't think sin is right and we try to, you know, stay away from that. But seriously, like when people ask, well, what do you believe? I'm all for it. And I, I don't shove it down their throat because I don't want to be that type of person. I don't think that God, the God I believe in, wants us to be that type of person either. So Ben, Mr. Templesmith was asking me all about this. And he's like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I was telling him and I said, what do you think about this? And we had a good long conversation. And then that was it. He was like, well, I'm done with this. And, and that was it. So I didn't want to press the issue. But um, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, this is all just from Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. So That's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, it, it's it's just neat that this tool is out there to get in touch with people who you would never normally be able to even contact. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know that really we want them following us because if they heard some of the stuff we said, yeah, but I thought I thought about that, and, you know, hopefully we never attack the person. I know that I'm eating my own words here about Jeff Loeb, and, but, you know, I, really, we're not talking about the person. We're talking about their writing style and our preferences, and really, if they weren't popular, if they weren't good at it, then Marvel would drop them, and they wouldn't pick up the book. I mean, nobody would buy. Like you said, we're buy. saying Jeff Loeb is ugly, and he looks stupid with glasses on. We're not, like, saying that kind of stuff. We're just saying... We can't stand how he writes the Hulk. We just can't. We can't follow this stuff. Right, right. So I mean, it's all just taste and preferences. Like personally, I can't. I can't take how Matt Fraction's writing the X Men. But the other, the uh, the other podcast I listen to, they love them. They can't. They can't get enough of them. So you know, it's all. It's all whatever. It's, it's your preference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got home and I was like. Jackie, uh, I know we're going to a bed and breakfast tonight, and I know that I'm supposed to be focused on how awesome that is, but I had a conversation with the senior art director over at Marvel, <laughs> one of the writers and one of the uh, editors. All, we were all talking together, four four different people all at one time. 
And she was like, how? How are you talking to these people? I was like, Twitter, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And then, of course, her question is, well, did you get your work done? And Yes, I got my work done. (laughs) All right, well, anyway, did you have anything else? I think that's it. We talked about the, the, the Facebook Feel free to come on, comment on Facebook, but uh, give us some voicemails too, and we'll uh, we'll throw it up on and and have you guys listen to them. Yeah, that'd be great. But all right, you want to dive right into this? I am all about this. I am all about current events. Current events. This is what we're doing: Siege One, Dark Avengers Thirteen, and Siege Two. Right? You got it. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! This is this is fantastic. Why don't you go ahead, Siege One? feelings about the art itself i don't like that they're dividing the cover but i know it's a branding thing so you can brand it i know that's a giant picture of asgard but i i'm not a fan of it i wish they would just expand the cover the left side of the cover over the whole book but it's not bad it's just you know i want i want their art i don't want this one looks like it was digitally drawn you know it doesn't look like it was penciled by anybody at all I didn't even consider the manlyhoodness. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you've gotten there. Uh, you know, Marvel's men there on the front with uh, with purple. But, you know, whatever. Who cares? But uh, <laughs> how, how, how would you pronounce the artist's name? Koipel? Koipel? Yeah, probably. Koipel? I, I saw his... He had some stuff on Uncanny X-Men a couple years ago. And ever since then, I just loved his art. I just think he's one of the best out there right now. And kind of underappreciated. So it was really exciting to hear that he was going to be doing yeah, he did kind of strike me as like kind of out of the ordinary for a giant book. Yeah, yeah. But he does have a striking. I mean, it is very good. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm all about the cover, uh, except for the the purple branding. But so those are the three the three guys right there, and then uh, the three baddies at the bottom. So I'm definitely got thumbs up for the cover. So we're gonna jump into Siege. And uh starts off with Volstag, uh just taking a walk out of Asgard. Looks like he comes upon a police chase and uh, he decides to go ahead and help the police and, and stop the, the bad guy from robbing the banker or, or whatever he did. And uh as he turns around he sees the UFOs and the UFOs aim at him, uh and they end up sending him smack dab into the middle of it looks like a high school football game where they proceed to attack Volstag. Volstag goes to block and attack and attack ricochets and pretty much wipes out the entire football stadium. While this is happening, Loki and Osborne are talking about this and, and how Loki is going to help uh, set up uh, Osborne's invasion of Asgard and what he's going to do to set that up. And it's basically setting up something similar to Civil War uh, where they had Nitro and uh, the new warriors fight and cause that huge explosion and kill, you know, hundreds or, or thousands of people. I forget the, the body count. 
And uh, so basically Loki just enacted the same thing with the UFOs and Volstagg. So now Osborn has his reason to get in there. And uh, he approaches, her name Victoria? Victoria, yeah. yeah. He approaches Victoria, his right-hand woman, uh, about what they need to do. And uh, he says that she's either with him or against him. And she says that she's, she's with him, that uh, she'll do whatever she needs to do to help him with this, uh, in cooperating to take down Asgard. We then have Osborne approaching Ares about attacking his homeland, and Ares says that it's going to just be over his dead body. He's not going to attack Asgard. Those are his brothers and friends, um, everybody he knows and loves is on Asgard. But Osborne says that he needs to because Odin is no longer there and that Loki has taken control of Asgard, and it's just uh, being controlled by a madman, and the only way to stop it is to attack it and take Loki out of power. Ares hesitantly agrees, but says that if he's lying, he's going to cut uh, Osborn's head off, his armor and all. Well, I, uh, I, I want to point out something r- real quick. I, Ares isn't from Asgard, right? Yeah. Is he not? No, I don't think so. He is, he's not a Norse god, he is a, a Roman or Greek god, right? Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a Roman god, and uh, he's more, he's Hercules' brother. Yeah. So, in in the sense, they're kinship in, in the sense that they're both gods, but they're they're different. Like, so I just wanted to point that out. I'm glad you pointed that out, Andy. <laughs> you're, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he does. He does. You're right. He does say that you know there's those are his brothers, and he does have some kinship to him. And he says he respects Odin and he respects the Norse gods, but yeah, he's he's of a different. Uh, he's a different god. But I will say this: when you saw, I think it was Secret Warriors or or uh, or Dark Avengers. I'm not sure which. But um, Phobos, his son, goes and in, and in, into the into the realm of where all the gods are standing to see if he is actually worthy enough to be a god. I don't know if you read this one, but he goes with his dad Ares, and Phobos, of course, is on the secret secret warriors with Nick Fury. But there were all sorts of gods there. There were Norse gods and there were Egyptian gods, all in that same room. So it kind of puts them all on the same level. So it makes sense that he would know them and have. And have history with them, like previously, before ever, you know, before the Avengers were ever created, or even America, or anything like that. Yeah, you're right. All right, sir, go on. Oh, oh, hold on, wait. I think Jennifer needs me. What? I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a disagreement. Showed <laughs> <laughs> me the way. You're you're right, though. I'm glad you corrected me on that. <laughs> um. Okay, so after Ares says that he's not a Norse god, but a Roman god, and that Osborn uh, needs to get that correct, which over to Osborn, uh, rounding out, rounding up his Dark Avengers and telling them that they're going to be going to war with Asgard, and all of them freak out saying there's no way they're going up against Thor, that he's just way too powerful, it's just not going to happen. And so Osborn says that here's the deal, you do this, you take care of this fight, and we're square. And their, his obli- the, the team's obligations are done. Uh, they can stay and continue as an Avenger, or they can leave. So that pretty much sweetens one. Um, this is the part where Ares then rallies the troops. I don't know where all these people came from. Uh, 
in the one cut that shows the UFOs and, and Aries and other people on the initiative, uh, you know, maybe like 30, 40 people. And then as it pans out, it's like a stadium full of people. I'm not exactly sure who all these people are. Did, did you understand who those people were? I took it as Hammer soldiers as well. Okay. All right. We'll go with that. Yeah, because not all of them could be superhumans. There's no way. Yeah, that's that was the part that kind of threw me is, you know, I knew the initiative was big, but I didn't know it was to fill a football stadium. Yeah, no, you're right. So uh, then we cut to the White House with Victoria Hand calling the president to tell him uh, what's going on with Asgard. Um, the president continuously questions uh, Victoria Hand, uh, saying that, you know, Osborne doesn't have the authority to do this. He can't be doing this. And eventually she, and the scene ends with him throwing the phone and saying that Osborne is out of control. We're going to cut over to Asgard then. It's late at night, and Loki appears, saying that there's a, a battle coming, uh, that Baldur is the king, and uh, the battle is, is imminent, that he needs to be prepared for what's coming. You look out, and they show uh, they show Asgard, and there's a big explosion on the side. Camera crews are there looking around uh, with helicopters, trying to figure out what it was. And there's a sweet shot, and it's revealed Ares just pummeling the side of Asgard, flying in and hitting it and flying back out. That's a the really s- sweet shot. That's the sentry. What did I say? Oh, Ares. <laughs> did I say Ares? <laughs> yeah. All right. I was like, man, I know you hate the sentry, but really? <laughs> I'm taking Jennifer's bike in on. Well, I, I, you are right. This is a sweet shot because that ring around it—that's like a sonic boom, right? Have you ever seen a, a jet go into a sonic boom? And yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, and then after that shot, then they show, of course, uh, Iron Patriot with the rest of the Dark Avengers and Initiative and the Hammer Squad all flying towards Asgard. The really sweet shot I like is Ares. He's on top of the, the fighter plane, uh, just standing on top of it. You know, however fast it's flying, he's just right there and, and ready to go. And then, of course, uh, the battle starts, and they just start walloping on on Asgard, uh, the UFOs, and, and Ms. Marvel, and uh, it's everybody. Fandral stops as he sees Ares and says, what are you doing? And uh, who, who is the, who's the other guy? Fandral, Volstagg, and who's the, the guy in the blue? Dude, all the all my all my Norse gods, I, I'm so I get so confused on. I don't know. I've seen him in Thor, but I don't know. Oh, uh, no, no, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So Fandral stops and he confronts Ares and says, "What are you doing?" And some others say that he's as mad as his father. And uh, Venom speaks up to say, "I wouldn't bring up his father." as it cuts to a menacing look of Ares' eyes. Uh, we cut back down to the city where uh, Donald Blake is with Tony Stark and Maria Hill um, talking about what is happening with the invasion. And Donald Blake says that, you know, he's going to have to go and take care of this and tells Maria to take Tony and get out of here as far as they possibly can and uh, just keep him away from this fight because Osborne's after Stark. Really, I know I keep saying sweet shot in this podcast, but then there's another sweet shot of Donald Blake running with his staff as uh, the, the jet plane fly right over him. 
I thought that was really cool. And then cue the big lightning blast. You know, the next page is going to have to be Thor, which it is. <laughs> yes. Osborn tells the Dark Avengers to get into position, and here comes Thor uh, attacking. And just as he's about ready to pummel into Iron Patriot, blast of yellow comes flying across the screen, and it's Sentry. He's just uh, taken Thor out of the battle over to a field, and uh, where Iron Patriot, the UFOs, Ms. Marvel, Quicksand, and a couple others are, and they all just prepare to fire, and they do. It looks like a nuclear bomb went off in the aftermath of their blow, and Thor still stands up as Iron Patriot punches him in the face and eventually just takes him down. This is all being chronicled now from the news, and they're saying that Thor is now down. They're trying to piece together all the information they have, uh, and we see who's watching that news footage, and it's Steve Rogers as he stands up, shaking fists, about ready to enter into battle. And that's where we leave off of that issue. Personally, I thought the issue was, wasn't too bad. It's pretty good. I loved the art on it. Uh, I loved the, like I said, there were sweet shots, sweet shots, sweet shots. There were, there were so many, uh, good panels on here from the Sentry and the Thor and Ares, uh, that just, you know, they're shots that you could frame as posters. They're gorgeous stuff. What about you? No, you're right. You're right. I, I like how, I like finally how in in season one we see all three of these guys. Like we, uh, you know, Steve, Tony, and Donald. Even though none of them in this issue are the main characters, they're all like kind of side characters. We're gonna see how that progresses through the story. I think how the three of them are gonna come together. We we saw some of them all in you know, Invincible Iron Man, Fractions Iron Man, but finally I kind of. And this is sort of a negative thing, but finally now we can move on in Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man. He's been dragging his feet for like eight issues to get Iron Man to where he needs to be. He's been in a dream state this whole time trying to get out of it. And I think he's been waiting for Bendis to to do this, you know, waiting for the right time. Okay, And like Marvel Editorial probably said, can you draw this out a little bit more? We need a little bit more time. We want Tony to come to right, you know, right in the middle of this. So that's good, and like I said, that's kind of a negative. But this issue as a whole, I, I'm I, it focuses on the Dark Avengers a whole lot, and that's kind of that's kind of is the focus because Siege, the title of it itself, is is not a positive thing. It's a negative thing. It's 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 the bad guys taking down an innocent place, Asgard. So I like that it focuses on them a lot more, and then we're gonna see the progression of the story, how it. You know, we'll we'll see Iron Man, we'll see Thor, and we'll see Captain America come together. I think it's interesting that the whole thing is centered around Thor, though, because out of the three of them, he's the one that hasn't got that much play in the mainstream. He's kind of been on his own, doing his own thing, and showing up from time to time. But, you know, Captain America's got a huge thing going on right now with his return. Iron Man has been wanted and he was huge back during secret invasion and uh the civil war you know so thor was sitting it out during the civil war pretty much he had just come back so it's 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 pretty interesting actually no he was dead he was gone so it, it's interesting that this whole thing centers around him now i, I think they did that on purpose yeah this is time you know captain america had the whole death of captain america and, and uh, along with you know with iron man they kind of shared the civil war and then, you know, since Captain America
America had been dead, it's kind of been, you know, Tony running the show. And, uh, you know, Thor never really got much of a spotlight. So, time for his big event. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. I, I, I was really excited. And actually, like I said, I was mainly excited just because this focus around the Dark Avengers, and I'm a huge fan of the Dark Avengers. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of sad to, to see that, that title, you know, going to be stopped and more than likely that team's going to break up. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens with that. All right. Let's move on. Anything else on that one? No, I'm good. I definitely, uh, probably give that, that one probably about an eight. Definitely one of my favorites. I, I would give that one. I would give that one a, a six or seven, I think. It was it was good. It had a lot of moving pieces, and it fits into continuity, but in and of itself, I don't know. I don't think it was that spectacular. But I can't point out anything really negative about it either. So there you go. All right. That's why I could kind of give it, you know, an eight, because the art was just so awesome, but there wasn't really anything I didn't like about it. So, all right, why don't you move on with yours? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, Dark Avengers 13 by Bendis and Diodato. All right, first of all, the cover's good. It, you got it open? Yeah. All right, it looks pretty menacing. I like the black eyes. I'm not a huge fan of the flowing hair, but I know uh, Diodato does that a lot in, in all his stuff, even when he was doing yeah. Spider-Man, when he was doing Amazing Spider-Man. It doesn't really matter for the cover, but, you know, we, we never see the Sentry in regular clothes. You know what I mean? Like we see, we've seen Steve Rogers in regular clothes. We've seen Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark in regular clothes. We hardly ever see Peter Parker because his he has a secret identity. But we see Wolverine. We see all these other people in regular clothes, except for Tiger. And <laughs> thank God, right? <laughs> I was waiting for a comment there. <laughs> But we never see him in regular clothes, and I think that has to do with his character. I really do. I think that he and we're that'll tie in here after I go through this. I'll try to make this quick. On the recap page, it points out that the Sentry has died twice, which I think he's actually died three times, battling the Molecule Man in the last few issues, once in battling in Latveria in issues one through four of Dark Avengers, and then also in another issue where his wife shot him. And I couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't find that one. I I don't know. I went through and I thought it was the Utopia issues. I couldn't find where that was. Do you know where that was? It wasn't in uh, the the New Avengers title. Oh, New Avengers, or maybe it was Mighty Avengers. I, I I looked at the Dark Avengers and I thought I paged through all the issues. I I don't know. I I must have skipped over it. Anyway, I w I couldn't figure out where that was, but I knew I had seen it before because I remember thinking to myself when that happened, like, holy cow, what's going to happen now? And then the next few issues, they didn't even talk about it. So I said, no, well, you know, I trust Bendis to go back to it, which he usually does. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. The issue starts out with Moses back in Egypt telling the Israelites about the 10th plague, the angel of death going to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians and to put lamb's blood on the doorpost so the angel can pass over. This is found, you know, in the book of Exodus in the Bible. Moses then says, Then you will know that there is only one true God. And the picture is of a great darkness uh, in the sky with tendrils similar to the void. We then shoot forward two months ago from now, and Osborne is comforting the sentry from a mental breakdown, and he orders burgers and fries and then brings him outside toward the doorway, away from his sleeping wife, which we see that she's not really sleeping because Lindy's eyes are open. 
Uh, she's listening to the whole thing. Now, once in the doorway, Osborne offers Robert Reynolds, and I'm going to make a distinction here between Robert Reynolds and the Sentry. So he offers Robert Reynolds a vial of the serum that the professor created. He, and the professor is the one who made the serum to, that originally uh, the Sentry drank. He gives it to Robert, saying that he is taking care of him and that Tony Stark could have given him this at any time, but he refused to. Robert drinks the serum and radiates out power, noticing that his uh, and notice now that his word bubbles are uh, turning black, as though it is the void talking instead of the sentry. The sentry seems grateful to Osborne and says that he owes him one. Norman agrees and says that he uh, that makes him his secret weapon. Then we jump to three days ago from present. Lindy has just shot the sentry in the head with an alien weapon. He is lying dead on the floor, twitching, and uh, a robot recorder, Clock, which I found out, who has been with the sentry, I, I was like, what's the deal with this robot? You know, what's going on with it? But he has been with the sentry ever since Paul Jenkins made him uh, about probably seven to ten years ago, I think, he, he wrote him. So in the original Century story with, you know, with Stan Lee, when they came out with that, with the giant Marvel hoax that Wizard was a part of, Clock was back there in that. So he has been with them all along recording and asked Lindy what she was doing. She takes the opportunity to tell the real origin story of the Century. Denying Robert's version of the tale, she tells a very different story. Robert broke into, prof into the professor's lab looking to get high. He was a meth addict. He found the serum, took it, and subsequently destroyed the lab with his newfound power. He emerged from the rubble to ask the professor if he could make more of it. So the long and short of it is that the sentry is a drug addict, and the serum is what gives him his power, and it is the drug. No wonder he's mentally unstable, is what I put. Uh, Lindy mentions that Osborne knows this truth, as well as Tar Stark before him. She compares Reynolds to Jesus or Moses, not that they were addicts, and not that they were on the same footing, but that they were connected to a greater power than themselves. And I really had to stop and think about this. I really liked how Bendis did this. He says that Reynolds isn't special, but that he tapped into a uh, power. And that's the and the question is how did he do that? And he kind of mystifies it. And I'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But I want you, I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion on this after I get through with the uh, with the rest of it. I want you to think about what you think of putting it on par with biblical power, what he says later about God, and how you, how you think in the Marvel universe it all works together. Okay. Yeah. All right. Suddenly, the Sentry wakes up. His face looks like a demonic Beta Ray Bill as he heals. Lindy panics and asks, what are you? And he surprisingly answers, in black speech bubbles, I am Galactus, devourer of worlds. And I was kind of disappointed that he just blurted it out there. I was like, what? I've been waiting this whole time, and you're going to just tell me he's Galactus? So he goes on to tell her that she, she is the enemy of Robert, and that she has betrayed him, that Robert still loves her, and that she, still, that she doesn't deserve it because she, all she has done is lied to him. She tells him to just end it and kill her now, and he replies, only because you were polite enough to beg me. But before the sentry, or the void, can kill her, Robert takes control over the body and stops him. He can tell because the sentry's eyes go from like a power orange to the regular, his blue eyes. 
there's an inner conflict where Reynolds is pleading with the sentry not to kill her and that they had a deal, he says. The sentry says that it would be much, it would be so much better, it would be so much easier without her. Robert then flies off into space in order to keep Lindy safe. We then see Clock speaking to Lindy, which I thought was interesting. Now you see, he says, how much he loves you. Which I thought was weird, because why is Clock saying that? And why does he have feelings or interest beyond recording? <laughs> and because that is exactly what the scrolls kept saying, right? He loves you. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, that may be just a coincidence, but it seems very odd to me that, you know, the, the, that this thing has a vested interest and feelings. Uh, Sentry tells him that he's being a coward. Uh, but also that he's part of something bigger than both of them. And I thought it was interesting that he said both of them. He says, you are God. He goes on to say that Roberts what, wants to be a hero, but has never been able to accomplish anything. And all he needs to do is sit back and let the sentry drive. In essence, it always turns out all right in the end. Sure, it's messy, but that's God's way. And this is all taking place when the sentry flew off into space and tried to consume his own body within the sun. So you, you see there's panels there, and I encourage the listeners to look at this. There's panels there that the sentry flies off into the sun and his body starts to de deteriorate and disintegrate and just burn up because of the heat. And his you see his skeleton there, but you see, like, I don't know if those are supposed to be stars or particles or whatever, but it's like cosmic light in within his body and maybe it's just the sun around him, but it starts to tear him up, but he can't die. So, I don't know, I just thought this was so interesting because, number one, Bendis already addresses the fact, okay, what does the serum have to do with the power? That doesn't make any sense, right? How can a serum give this guy all this power? Sure, it can give Captain America uh, more physical agility, faster, stronger, you know, a, a better calculating mind, but really, what does it have to do with the power of a, of a million exploding suns and the power of what we just found out in Dark Avengers, how to reshape reality. And so he likens it to the power that uh, Moses had, which in this, Bendis is assuming that Moses had the power over the angel of death, which we know isn't true. It's a, the angel of death was, a, was its own being. But also he likens it to Jesus, which is more of an accurate simile because Jesus, out of his own power, or God's power was doing the miracles. So anyway, I'm I'm really digging where this is going. I don't really think this is sacrilegious at all. I don't, you know, whatever. It's comic books, whatever. But uh, what do you think about this whole thing? How do you think this is going to play out? And do you think that Galactus is talking about power from himself? Or do you think that he's talking about a greater power that we haven't seen yet? I, I don't know, really. This issue kind of threw me for a loop. Just in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, have the void come, I mean, it's just gonna, I think, I'm just gonna probably repeat what you said, but, I mean, for, for the century to just say, you know, I'm galactic, it just feels like that came out of left field. Like, I have no idea where that came from. It, it didn't really make sense to me, because he just took some kind of vial of serum, you know? He right. just took some kind of medicine, or whatever, that gave him these powers, but yet now he's saying that he's galactic devourer of worlds. And for that part, I'm just not really gelling. And uh, and then to have all the the different references to to Christ and and this being biblical proportions and, and having the beginning 
angel of death looking like the void and then the last page that symbol that same angel of death voice appearance was just kind of kind of take took me aback a little bit well i it's it's obvious to tell that i'm excited about this issue i, I mean i i always thought that the century was a fantastic character and i know you thought it was boring but i mean what do you think now i mean did do you, in your opinion does did bendis give this guy a little bit more depth i mean i know it was a retcon and i and the fans aren't very, you know, supportive of retcons, and, you know, I'm not either. If it's not there in the original story, you know, kind of move on from where you're at. But I think the way Bendis writes, he always goes back and says, okay, now I'm going to revisit this because I had a plan, and this ties together with what we're doing now. What, what do you think about that? I mean, if he ties it together, you know, we'll see. I just don't think I can make an accurate judgment based on this issue because this one really gave me more questions than it did answers or anything. It didn't clear up Sentry with me at all. It just made me think Sentry is more convoluted. And I've just always felt like they're just kind of make Sentry up as they go along. I've never really felt like Sentry had a definitive, this is who Sentry is, this is how he's going to be. Uh, I just felt like his, his whole person, his whole being has gone up and down like a roller coaster. Since he first appeared, so this didn't. This did not help me. <laughs> I guess that's true. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Did it answer questions for you? Did it? Did it seem to bring up more questions? Well, I, it it made it so that when you go back and you read the new Avengers, when the Sentry was on the team to begin with, after um, you know, Breakout, you can see where this guy, why this guy is so mentally unstable, like. Not only was he a drug addict who's looking for his next high and his next serum, but he's been fighting this evil that the, I mean, the void just did not explain it. You know, like to me, it's like, okay, well, he's got this alternate ego and, but why in the world is he so powerful? You know, and I, I don't know, this kind of magnifies the, the problem and set, sheds a little bit more light on it and says, all right, look, this is not the, the void is not the evil that you were thinking of. The void is, just kind of a facade to what is truly going on here, what is truly behind this, and the sentry is kind of a gateway for this terrible power that's coming to the forefront. I don't know. I, I thought it gave the character a little bit more depth. I've always been intrigued with this character because Marvel thought it was important enough to have a giant hoax around it back in, what was it, 92 or whatever? Yeah. that Oh, not 92. That was probably the late 90s when that came out. Okay, well, the, yeah, all right, that makes more sense because that would be almost twenty years. Yeah, he hasn't been around. For yeah, time. he was. He hasn't been around that long. But I mean, it kind of adds a lot more depth to him. I've always liked just what they do with him, and I never understand how you can find this guy boring. Because <laughs> he is. He just goes around and I'm crazy, but I have the power of ten thousand suns. <laughs> when you have the power of ten thousand suns, you're automatically not an interesting character to me because I can't relate to you. You can beat everything. It's like, that's why I don't like Superman. He's not Marvel, but Superman is not, I don't like him because no one can defeat him. He's the, the most powerful being around. It's just boring. And Century is, seems like he's almost more powerful than Superman, so thus magnifies my boredom level. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I looked it up. It came out in 2000. You're right. So it was so, 10 years ago. Yeah, I liked it so much better than when it was a hoax. <laughs> I didn't want him to come. I know. The real thing, but that's okay. 
I don't, I don't understand how you cannot even see the value in this character and the mystery. And at least that Bendis, I mean, Bendis might have thought what you thought and said, you know what, this character is worthless. I'm going to make this guy not boring. Yeah, but I don't know. I would have just left him as a hoax. I mean, just by having him, you know, we just kind of retcon so many different things. And, and it's just kind of like the whole uh, Jessica Jones jewel thing. I think you probably liked Jessica Jones, didn't you? Yeah, I think her character gets in the way a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from this entry. Uh, there was no need for Jessica Jones, Jewel, to be retconned. Like, she's been a superhero, and been on the Avengers, and know all these people, when we all know that, you know, this is not true, you know? All right, all right, fine, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you stole my thunder for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got siege. You got siege number two, right? Yep, we're gonna break it out with siege number two, um, which I'm sure you'll like the cover. Centuries on that, holding a skull. That's cool, right? I don't like the artwork necessarily, but yes. <laughs> I'm trying, Andy. I'm trying. <laughs> I do like how uh, it's it's now gone from purple to red. I mean, which is like the climate of the the city. Yes. Yes, covered in blood. That that's the way. And then that preview for that that issue with all the Dark Avengers and they have blood all over their faces. That's pretty pretty messed up. Where is that? But, uh, no, it's the cover of some issue. I I forget a Dark Avengers, the next issue of Dark Avengers or something, or an annual. It's all the pics. It's all the Dark Avengers and their faces are covered in blood. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. All right, so we open up Siege with Ares, and uh, he's attacking Balder. Right, that one's Balder. Uh, I don't know much about Thor's. I know Thor, Enchantress, and Loki. Other than that, I don't really know many of uh, Thor's cast. Yeah, that's that's Balder. He's currently king of Asgard right now because Thor accidentally killed his grandfather, and if you kill a reigning member of Asgard or somebody in the royal family, then you are exiled, and actually Loki brought to the attention that Balder is sort of like a, a secret son of um, Odin. So he's kind of ha the half-brother of Thor. Yeah. Okay, so Ares and Balder are attacking, fighting each other. Um, uh, Ares is saying that, you know, you've allowed this to happen, and Balder asks him what he's talking about. Ares explains that Loki is the king of Asgard, and, uh, and asks him, if you know, do you think that we would sit by and let you do, and, and let me do nothing? And um, Balder tries to convince him that that is not not the truth. That's not what happened. And Heimdall is that how you pronounce his name? Heimdall. Heimdall, I think. Big H. All right. So uh, Big H appears, and he's bloodied and battered. And uh, he explains to Ares that that it's true that Balder is the king. Loki is not the king, and uh, that he has been misled. And this is not. This is not. How things are supposed to be. Ari should not be attacking, and he's made a grave mistake. Ari's uh, not too happy. Not a happy camper right there. As he looks at the destruction of uh, Venom and, and Bullseye and, and Taskmaster and, and the rest of the, the initiative uh, attacking uh, the Asgardian, and uh, he looks right at the, the viewer and just says, "Osborn." Uh, we cut back down to the field where uh, the Dark Avengers had cut Thor down. And uh, Iron Iron Patriot is introducing himself 
Thor, and states that Asgard is now under his protection. The reporters are there, close to the scene, and and uh, videotaping this whole this whole scene and and giving some commentary. Osborn, it's kind of a running joke throughout the the issue, but Osborn's armor says incoming, just a, a second too late. Uh, Osborn is only able to make up the first five letters of incoming, and a huge missile knocks uh, Osborn back and the rest of the Dark Avengers back, and it turns out it's uh, Maria Hill, and she's in this uh, old, old truck with some guy named Jason. And uh, they are headed right towards the uh, ground zero of the battle. She fires another missile, and it smacks Osborne again and knocks his shield down to 11%. She and Jason jump out. Uh, Maria is firing all this time, and she tells Jason to get Thor and, and get him to the truck. Um, she starts shooting at Ms. Marvel and realizes that she's intangible and nothing is happening. And just as... Uh, one of the UFOs and Ms. Marvel were about to get uh, Maria. Thor stands up and whacks him a good one, knocking him back uh, pretty far. They throw Thor into their truck, and away they go from the battle. Um, now we're going to cut to Brooklyn, when the Avengers hide out, and Steve Rogers is uh, preparing his troops, saying that uh, uh, whether they, he, people see eye to eye with him or not, uh, I think everyone agrees that they need to take the country back. And uh, it's shown that it's the new Avengers and uh, young Avengers and the secret warriors all together. He's gathered them all together and is ready to take, along with Nick Fury, and is ready to take them out to uh, Kansas to take on Iron Patriot and the Dark Avengers. We cut back now again to Asgard, and Iron Patriot and Ms. Marvel are flying. Iron Patriot's armor again says incoming just a little bit too late, and it's Ares coming on top of Iron Patriot, attacking him and saying that he lied. Uh, Osborn readily admits that he did lie, but he says that he had to do what he needed to do to get Ares into battle and uh, to get away in. And um, Ares is just livid. He is off the off the handle and going after Osborn, but who shows up? But Andy's favorite Superman knockoff century shows up uh, <laughs> Ares in the face and ensues and just an awesome couple pages battle. Um, there's not a whole lot of talking. It's just uh, a knockdown drag out fight between Sentry and Ares. Uh, especially uh, page 12. It's just, again, it would be another poster to put up. Is this menacing picture of Sentry with his eyes glowing and Ares darkened form. Uh, he says, "My mistake." And it's just—it just shows the power of both of these individuals. That you—you you really have two class A superheroes that are going to go at it and uh, go at it. They do. They just start pummeling each other and kicking uh, and, and fighting and all that good stuff. They—they they end up. Sentry grabs Ares and goes crashing into one of the castles there on Asgard. Uh, Ares, I mean, uh, Sentry comes up standing, and then Ares jumps out and attacks. Sentry grabs Ares and uh, rips him in pieces. Uh, looks like he just takes two shoulders and rips him right down the middle, along with some tentacles. I don't know if those are Ares' insides. Um, some other people online have alluded that the Void has used tentacles like that in the past, which I couldn't remember, but... You know, I can go with that, whether it's his intestines or uh, the Void's tentacles. 
one that anybody in this battle just step by and and you get everyone's reaction to what just happened. Uh, some people are shocked. Some people are amazed. Some are, are you know, happy for this. And uh, you just have sentries standing with blood everywhere, holding Ares' arm, and uh, some of those tentacles. We, that was kind of like a huge dramatic piece to the book. Um, we cut back to Brooklyn with Captain America and the Secret Avengers. They're boarding a plane to get out there, one of Nick Fury's planes, out there to Kansas, and uh, Bucky slash Captain America gives Steve Rogers the shield, tells him that he needs this for this battle, and Bucky's happy with his gun. Phobos wants to go along uh, in this battle, but Nick Fury says he's too young, he's only 10, and he's not going to have him battling his, his dad anyways, and it's interesting because Phobos' powers don't work on Nick Fury, so that was kind of cool. Also, Jarvis gives Steve Rogers a suitcase, and that uh, he will, he is there nearby. Uh, be a good man and help him, won't you? Which is more than likely uh, Iron Man's armor. Yeah, I think so. Um, they head out. They don't know how they're going to get to Kansas quickly, but Nick Fury says that there's a wormhole. They go in that, and they should be in Kansas any any second. Iron Patriot back to uh, to uh, Roxton, Kansas. Um, Iron Patriot has dispersed Dawkins to go after Thor. Uh, Dawkins thinks that he's found him and goes uh, running towards the scent, while the Hammer guards, the Hammer uh, army, say that they have a visual on Thor. He's about to, and all of a sudden there's a huge kaboom, and uh, you see Dawkins lying on the ground, uh, smoldering, just uh, a huge mess, uh, because, yes, he found Thor, but Thor found him first and went ahead and took care of him with a, with a lightning bolt. Iron Patriot tells Bob that he needs to go ahead and uh, go after Thor and take care of him again. Uh, Iron Patriot's armor goes off and says, incoming, and a sweet four-picture page uh, to close out the issue is just of Iron Patriot's face, and you see a small little dot on uh, his helmet, and then the second one, the dot's much bigger, and the third one, you see it's a shield, and the fourth one, the shield is mere inches away from Iron Patriot's uh, helmet. And that's the last page of the issue. I thought that the issue ended very well. And it ended on a note that makes you want siege number three to be out because you know that Captain America is going after uh, Norman Osborn. And that's a battle I definitely want to see. So, yeah, I mean, I gave the review. Why don't you tell me what you thought about the issue? I, I thought this issue was fantastic. I, I I fell in love with this thing. I When, when Ares said, you lied, and that I mean the Mariah Hill thing when she came out there, I wasn't too keen on that. I was like, "What is this?" You know. <laughs> yeah. And the truck looks like so weird with the tires in, like, kind of poking in. It looks like one of those. I don't know. It looks like a kid's cartoon thing. But then, as soon as that is over, and as soon as Thor stands up from that point on. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is a great issue. I mean, I would have to give this issue like an 8 or 9. And just the battle between Sentry and Ares, like, I really like these two characters. Obviously, you know, I like Sentry, but Ares is Ares is a, is a pretty menacing dude. And, and, like, he, even though he's the god of war, he still kind of has a sense of right and wrong. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure what it's based on, but he's he holds strict to it, you know? And he, he said... For some reason, he's stays with the Dark Avengers, 
but yet he respects Nick Fury, and I, I think he's all for justice and and just you know destruction, punishment, kind of of who needs it. That the picture that you were talking about with Ares standing there and the Sentry right there. I mean, to me, these guys look like the these are the outsiders of the team, you know, and they're the ones that you know whenever there's banter, it's always. Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel and, um, you know, Venom and Doc and always talking back and forth, always saying they're going to kill each other. But these two guys are like, all right, well, you know, that's just nonsense. Let's get on with this and do our job. And so when they get at odds together and, and it's right, I didn't notice this the first time, but Ares like puts the pointy end of the axe right into Sentry's side. Did you see that? All right, page thirteen, the, the last panel on the on the right hand side. Yeah, the axe goes into the the sentry's side, right? And then the next page, you see that that tendril tendril coming out and kind of healing himself. But you see the uh, you know the power of the suns or whatever um, ejecting the axe. You see that? Yeah. Okay, so then he kind of loses it and goes ballistic, and that's when they start killing each other. And then when he rips that guy, you can see the spine, you can see um, the heart, you can see the intestines, the lower intestine and everything. And on the right-hand side is what they were probably talking about, the tendril, because see the sentry standing there with the glowing S and the arm? Underneath his arm where the axe was, that's where black tendrils are coming out. Yeah. So that's, you know, you have two different things here. You got you got the tendrils coming from the sentry, and then you got you know the intestines and stuff of the of the of Ares. And actually, what what struck me most is Bullseye's face and Venom's face and Taskmaster in this whole thing. And actually, Heimdall's going crazy too. But if you look below, like Bullseye's like, what in the world's going on? Like, holy cow! I can't believe he went that far. And you know, for Bullseye to say that, who is just as psychotic as yeah. anyone. You know, that's what got me. I was like, holy cow. And then Venom, he's got blood coming out of his mouth. You see, you know, he was, but he stopped whatever he was doing. He looks like he's holding somebody down, halfway eating them. And then he stopped to look at what was going on. And then the Taskmaster, who, if you've been reading uh, Avengers Initiative, he doesn't even really know if he wants to be there. He's like, okay, well, this is the big time. I better, you know, show that I'm useful. And he's he's there like oh what have i done you know <laughs> so anyway i thought that was fantastic i thought it was great i thought it the the it was great and dokken dokken is such small potatoes but he's so full of himself like in in his own little world in the wolverine's world you know he's such a big player but when it comes to the big three um it really doesn't matter he he, he doesn't matter he could be taken out by the avengers you know and I think the Avengers are way more powerful than the X-Men. That's kind of what I'm getting here from all this. You know, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, they have a lot more heart than the X-Men, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, uh, that's a whole other topic. But, yeah, totally. Uh, the, the the team of uh, Emma Frost and Cyclops is not a whole lot of heart right now. But, but these three definitely have it. Right, and they're... They're writing the wrong. They're not. I mean, you would think that if you're if you're fighting for your existence and you're fighting for peace and things like that, you would have a lot more. But 
that's not a whole lot of, of right versus wrong. That's more like, you know, utilitarian, you got to do what you got to do type stuff. So I think that's what sets these teams apart. And uh, that last panel with Captain America and the Shield coming, or Iron Patriot and the Shield coming, yeah, you're right. That I, I wish Siege number three was out. So I, all in all, I, I mean, I thought it was a great issue. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, just to, to echo some of the stuff that you said with, with Ares, is uh, that, yeah, I like just his character has just really grown on me. You know, he used to be this uh, C or D list Thor character that no one really knew. And then uh, he came out the past couple of years, and and just to see him grow, like like I don't know what issue it was, but um, I was reading an issue where it dealt with him trying to raise Phobos, you know, and he's having so many problems with him, and and uh, just to see that that human struggle part that you know even though he is the god of war, he still has you know this ten year old son that doesn't want to listen to him, that you know, that that uh, fights him on every turn, and he has to you know discipline him and stuff and. And uh, it was kind of sad to see that Ares died in this issue. It just ripped apart because I just don't know how you come back from something like that. But, uh, yeah, Ares is definitely a character that has grown on me in the past, past probably six months. But, I mean, it could put, I don't know any other better way, I guess, for the God of War to go out, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I, I was thinking about this. Or like, when he, was on the, when he was part of the Mighty Avengers, I really didn't care about him at all. But now that he's on the Dark Avengers and comparing him to all the other He's not that bad. When he was on Mighty Avengers, I was like, what is he doing on this team? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But but yeah. now he's like an upstanding citizen on the, the Dark Avengers. So it's, I don't know. Oh, I will, I will give my prediction right now. I want to go on record as saying this. Everyone will have to join forces against the Sentry by the end of Siege. And that's what's going to get the Avengers all back together. Not just the Siege of Asgard, but everyone the bad guys will eventually have to take down Sentry 2. That's my prediction. I think the Sentry will kill Norman Osborn at, because he just goes ballistic, and we will see that there is a greater power that needs to be fought, and you know everyone will come to the realization that this is what we need to fight. And uh, eventually, um, they may defeat uh, the Sentry, the Sentry's body, but I think in April we're going to see that you know, they need to take on Galactus or whatever higher power this is. Do you think Norman Osborn is not making it out of siege? I, that's my prediction. I I could probably 50-50, 50-50 chance on that. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that he's going, he spread himself so thin. And this, I mean, this is it, now or never, you know? Yeah. But, and like you said on a, on a previous podcast, like, where do you go from here as Norman Osborn? Right. Go back to this. Being, you know, a, a guy that in a green outfit that kind of flies around and throws pumpkins at people, it's kind of hard to go back to that. Right, right. Yeah, which is a shame, but, you know, we'll get some closure maybe for Spider-Man. Yeah, we'll see. It'll definitely be interesting. Siege number four cannot come quick enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. It's been good. And it's been fast-paced, too, because it's only four issues, so that's good as well. Yeah, that's what was so hard about, like, Secret Invasion and Civil War was, you know, taking over half of a year out of your life to just find out what happens in, in Marvel time in, you know, a week. Yes. All right. All right, on to the Tinas. Sounds great. The Tina Award. All right, I had one Tina. How about you? Me too. All right. 
You go ahead and go first, sir. Alright, mine is an old school one called Backstabbers. What do you do? This is for Aries and Osborne because I think I think Aries was always hesitant with Osborne about a lot of different things, uh, but he did trust him enough to go in and attack um, Asgard, and he just he got backstabbed. And really, he should have known better. But uh, that's why we're we're doing the Backstabbers Award uh, for Aries and Osborne. That's a good one. Um, I picked a new one also. And this is fire down below. For the century and what's gonna come, because he, I, I was trying to pick, I was trying to pick multiple ones, and every single one had to do with the century. So I was like, ah, that's stupid. I'm just gonna pick one. But um, fire down below when he was shot, and like you just saw this demonic face coming up, the one that looked like Beta Ray Bill. It's like there is something going on down there uh, within him, that struggle that, you know, Robert Reynolds is not winning and he is not going to win. Whatever it is, the void, the darkness, the power, Galactus, whatever it is, is going to win and they're going to have to deal with him. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really good, though. <laughs> I think so. You're saying that now because you hate the character. You're finally just ready to be done with him. But I think it'll be a good story. It's still century, though, you know? I think, I don't know. I think that they've put so much time and effort into this character. You can't see them getting rid of him, but when you're that powerful, where do you go from here, too? I don't know. It should be interesting. I kind of think they'll kill him. I kind of think they'll they'll say, all right, he's been around for 10 years. He's served his purpose. You know, let's take him off the board. Mm-hmm. I am fine with that. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us for Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 12. Um, again, real quick, our contact information, you can visit us on the web at marvel616politics.com, uh, on Twitter at 616politics, and uh, email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. Look us up. We're on Facebook. Check us out. Call us. Email us, send us carrier pigeons, whatever you want to do. <laughs> what is our Facebook address? It is www.facebook.com slash marvel616politics. And once again, we want to welcome everybody uh, to the, everybody from the body politic uh, to the Facebook page. And we don't care if you guys monopolize that whole page. Nobody should be like, oh, I don't want to post too much because it's all about me. Go ahead. Go at it. And you guys can carry on the conversation even without us. So feel free. Oh, and our uh, phone number. What's our phone number for voicemail? 616-755-TINA. All right. Awesome. You have a good night, Jared. And to all of you out there, make yours Marvel 616 Politics. Yeah.